Hello everybody and welcome to episode 2 of Real Talk with Kaylee. I'm so, so excited for you guys all tuning in and listening to my podcast. I want to say a big thank you for all of you who are and for all of you who've messaged me and kind of supported me on my first little episode where I just had a bit of a natter with myself. I really, really appreciate it and I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy the interviews that I'm releasing. Now, I did actually start doing my interviews around eight weeks ago, but I'm not going to be releasing them in order just because they are out of sync and they're such different people that I've interviewed that there's a certain order that I really want to do. It has nothing to do with the people or the timing, it's just the way that I want to release it. So actually the first episode that I'm releasing is actually one that I actually, why do I keep saying actually, (laughs) that I um, recorded a few days ago. Um, I'm so, so excited to release this interview. I, I was so happy to have chatted to her, she's an incredible person and I think you guys are absolutely gonna love it. Um, I do want to say that obviously with everything going on at the moment, we can't get into the studio and do the interviews, which was the plan the whole time. So these interviews that are being released have been done over phone and Zoom. So I apologise for any kind of technical issues. I know at the start of this interview, the mic was accidentally covered for about 20 seconds. So if you just move through that you know, it's absolutely fine, but I don't want to cut anything out because then the conversation didn't make sense. So I have left that in there and I, I do apologise, but at the time, at the moment, um, there's not much we can do and I still really want to release the episodes and actually, I mean, not, not in my current guest's um, case, but in everyone else's, they are a little bit less busy, so actually it's easier to get these interviews and get to chat to these amazing people, but not in this person's current situation. Now, I'm so, so excited to say that my first guest I'm releasing on the Real Talk with Kaylee podcast is Jodie Still. Now, if you are a musical theatre fan and you do not know who Jodie Still is, then you, my friend, have been hiding under a rock. Jodie is known for fame, Wicked, Heathers, Rock of Ages, and she is currently in Six, the UK tour as Catherine Howard. I was lucky enough to go watch Jodie. Um, she is just, I mean, incredible and what a role. Um, but what a role, you know, all the different roles in her CV. One incredible, incredible woman. The thing that I loved about Jodie is she's so talented and yet such a selfless and lovely, lovely person. I enjoyed this interview so so much I came out of it really feeling inspired and I think that it's just such a lovely story um of how Jodie got into this and I think that you're all going to really really enjoy it um Jodie actually opened last November Jodie Silt Associates where she's doing one-to-one and group workshops and classes to help young people coming up and Jodie in another selfless act, has just taken on a 54-hour-a-week contract to look after two little girls um, with severe learning difficulties, and she's working her absolute butt off during this really, really hard time. To put into perspective, when I actually interviewed Jodie, this was of an evening, the night before she'd done a night shift looking after these two young young girls, and then she'd gone out and done a 5k run, no sleep, um, had one-to-ones all day, just got off of a one-to-one, had an hour and a quarter interview with me, I know we were both going off to have dinner, and then she was starting again the next day, and on to another night shift the next night. So, I mean, an incredible, incredible woman. And I just want to shout out to Jodie now that, you know, she, you know she can't tell it, but she is just sublime. You know, so talented, so selfless, so lovely, and hats off to her. I think she's a lovely human being, and I really, really enjoyed interviewing her. And I hope you guys really enjoy listening to this podcast and this episode. Thanks, guys. So firstly, how, how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really busy, so it's been mental. Um, it's kind of funny, actually. I think people assume they're going to be like, oh, I'm bored. No, I mean, I couldn't be further. I'm bored if I cried. Um, but um, I'm teaching a lot through JSA, the school that I set up. Um, mm. So I teach about maybe 15 one-to-ones a week, and I'm doing 54 hours worth of caring a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, and doing online like classes. I'm obviously taking workshops online as well. And when I do get free time, never yeah um, I'm doing lots of quizzes I'm writing the quiz for the six girls for the next <laughs> Monday focus on tonight yeah um yeah I'm trying to do some piano practice and Spanish practice but honestly I just haven't had the time like no. I finished um I finished the night shift this morning at half 
half past nine, well, actually 9.45 by the time I finished paperwork, got back, like, did a massive workout, taught my students, and teaching all day tomorrow, then I'm back on a night shift. When are you um, sleeping? So it's pretty mental. I know, working all day Saturday, all day Sunday, caring, and then nine one-to-ones on Monday, so it just never, oh like, my never gosh. Yeah, Crazy. so it's really funny because obviously I'm, it's positive, it's really positive mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful for the work, yeah. um, but I think sometimes for me in particular because I'm such a workaholic, it probably would have been nice to have some me time, but I just apparently can't do that, so there we go. Yeah, no, do you know what, I completely understand you, like I'm exactly the same, I'm, a, I'm, I'm and I moan about it, so I do loads of work and I'm like, do you know what, it'd just be lovely to have a day in bed, and then I sit down, yeah. yeah, I wake up, I've got my day in bed, get the laptop on and I start, and I can't stop. Yeah, that's the thing, you'll be like me, yeah, I'm a workaholic, mm. the thing is, it's hard to relax when you know you've got things to do that's yeah. what I find hard so. without a doubt and it, and it can even be little things and especially like with what we do it's not it's not like you're going out and doing a nine-to-five so you can just send this email you can just do that tape you can do a lesson so it's you kind of yeah. don't stop because you can do it can't you that's the problem yeah. um yes, but amazing the caring like wow like congrats uh, to you to cool. do that that's amazing it's hard. yeah it's quite stressful but I'm looking after um Two beautiful girls um, mm. who are very heavily um, autistic. They have Down syndrome, severe learning disabilities, um, and you know the mental capacity is just so low. But mm. uh, yeah, so that's who I've been assigned to. So I'm like basically like in their house more than I am in my yeah. own right now. But it's fine. I, I you know I signed up because I wanted to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I knew it would be physically and emotionally exhausting and it is but it's teaching me a lot about myself and it's helping them and that's, mm. that's what I'm about yeah of course yeah. and has that changed anything because obviously like with what we do is it weird when you go and do a job like that does it kind of change your opinion on what you do normally day to day or like how you feel how, uh, how pathetic and selfish performers are we just are yeah like there's no there's no other way and if you ever said that to a performer that's on their high horse they'd be like how dare you oh, yeah so hard no, no. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> and we do, we do work hard, of course we do, mm. but someone who literally just is on their contract, sleeping all day, having a lovely time, and then comes into work. Now, I'm sorry, we don't know what hard work is. Like, the yeah. hard work comes when you're trying to get a job and you're grafting and you're working three jobs whilst you're trying to get an audition. And if you're running a, a business, you know, I run a business at the same time as whatever show I'm in. And, mm. You know, so, and I think it's just made me realise, like, we're how lucky we are to have a talent that allows us to do a job like that. Yeah, um, I'm sure people would would love nothing more, but they just weren't blessed with a voice or something, you know. So, yeah, so it's it's taught me a lot. I already kind of knew that about myself. Um, it angers me sometimes that I think I've I've picked quite a selfish profession profession in a way. But um, the main thing I do it for is 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 what I get back from the audience for for what I give. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it has taught, it's made me a little bit more confident in the fact that I'm, I'm not an arsehole, but also that I need to remind myself daily when I'm tired on the show that just to shut up and get <laughs> But also I think that it's quite obvious you're not an arsehole, I think by how well you've done and it's obviously you're incredibly talented, but not being an arsehole is how people like you do so well because it's such an important <laughs> element. Um. There's so many of them! <laughs> No, I think I think good on you. I think I think stressful and I think shit with your business as well, but I think good on you if you you're helping someone else. I think it's amazing. Um so Jodie Steele Associates, yes? Yes. 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 Started what, last November? It did, it did, yes. it was done, yeah, it Thanks. did. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, it did. Carl Strickland, who's my business partner, who runs Leicester Theatre Group, I talked to him a couple of times, and he just said, you know, like, um, it was very complimentary, like, was your energy, your work ethic, like, your drive is, is so incredible, and mm. um, I'd like to start a business with you stick your name on it and at first I was like nah no one will come (laughs) um and then in the end he persuaded me Mm. and you know my name is all over it and it's terrifying and I hope it um lasts and I hope it keep coming but I am loving it and actually the web 
say it's been working online has been amazing. Like we literally, we're only doing one big workshop a week, which is on Sundays for a fiver. Mm. Um, this week is at midday because I have a caring shift from two to 10 after yeah. teaching it. Um, so I had to put it at midday, but every other Sunday when I can, it's at 12.30. It's an hour, probably a bit over, depending on how hard the routine is. Mm-hmm. Um, doing different routines the shows I've been in and yeah that's been going great and then obviously we've got the one-to-ones so JSA has actually been really busy Carl's you know does all the admin and stuff which is amazing because I, I physically yeah. wouldn't have time I'm not allowed to do anything like that when I'm caring obviously my phone has to be away and everything um so um yeah it's, yeah it's amazing yeah and hopefully when we get out of this pickle um We'll continue with all the workshops that we had booked in with, like, Cleve September, Luke Bayer, like, all those ones that we had coming up. Amazing. Um, yeah. How, yeah. Do you, how do you feel about it when you kind of have a room full of kids who, you know, want to kind of want to be in your, you know, footsteps, want to go, they want to perform? How do you feel? Do you feel excited for them? Do you feel like, I don't know, for me, like, if I teach or if I have students, there's a part of me that... that feels bad I don't know it's like they don't know what's coming do you know what I mean I know it's sounds horrible but you know I and I oh, want to awful yeah yeah because you kind of have to in a way like <laughs> slip it in there about it's actually very hard and quite a heartbreaking industry yeah. but you know go for it anyway yeah exactly um, and uh yeah I, I try I don't know I try to skirt around it and deliver it in a way that's like you know, guys, remember how hard it is and blah, blah, blah. And also the hardest thing is, and I'm going to sound like such a dick now, but when you, what do you do in the instead scenario? And I haven't really come across this at JSA because luckily everyone who comes is, is very talented, but sometimes you teach and you, you find a lost soul who is desperate to be a performer, but literally like can't really see dance or act. And that's, yeah. that's the hardest thing. Yeah. Because, you know, their parent is obviously incredible and supporting them in everything they do and everyone's supporting them. Mm. And you're like, okay, so who who's going to break this to this poor person? Yeah. And it ends up coming from when they're trying to audition for drama school and they just can't get in. Mm. And that really upsets me because, you know, it is hard and it is the right time, right place, who you know, do you fit the costume, hair, eyes, everything. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the ground up it has to be the talent, and and that's a hard job as a teacher when you you love the, the person, the student, mm. but and it's not really what well, should be your job to to say I don't think this is for you. But obviously, we can't. Yeah, it's really difficult. I think the industry itself's changed. Like for me as well. Um, you know, like, I don't come from a background of my family being performers, if that makes sense. But my mum, yeah, but my mum, when she was younger, she did GCSE dance. And her teacher was like, you're a good dancer. I'm going to take you up to London and you're going to do an open audition. I mean, Christ knows what, like, when my mum describes them now compared to now, like, ridiculously different. But she went to, yeah, she went to a Cats open audition. I mean, bless my mum, I love her soul, but she cannot sing to save her life. She went to an open, did the choreography and got offered chorus in cats like on the west end when she was 16 she just did gcse dance and she lived in exeter like she wasn't she had to say no but can you imagine that happening now like you have to be a triple threat realistically you kind of have to have an agent as well like opens you know once in a lifetime there are occasional but realistically do you know what i mean it just doesn't work That's like that mad. anymore i can't believe your mum said no but she couldn't there's nothing she could do like she couldn't afford to come up you know she was 16 she didn't know what to do don't you think that's mental? She just turned up in a leopard print yeah. unitard and she just danced her little heart out. <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine that happening now? No, mental. That's blown my mind. Can you please just give me mum around? GCSE dance, 16. And that's, yeah. all, that's all she done is GCSE dance. All she dance. done, yeah. Wowza. I wow. know. Mental. Okay, maybe we're going. Wrong. <laughs> I know, but it, I do think it's. I think it's stream. I think there's so many people now as well, and I think that the talent and the threshold has got so high, you know, that it's just like it has to be triple threat. Do you know what I mean? You cannot be just a little bit lower on one. You know, like a boy. Oh, of course. That's. I mean, that's a different conversation, really, isn't it? It's the same with drama yeah. school. Same with drama school. I mean, my friends yeah. like. I chose not to go to drama school after I trained at college level um, 
but I remember my friends auditioning and you know I had boys and they were in every single school and I had talented talented friends and they could not get their foot into a drama school um or pass the one year program um yeah it's crazy so many people but but also like you know like it makes it rewarding if you do get there or you do get the job and you get the opportunity that's kind of the fight of it and I think that like you said although we are kind of selfish in a way of the way you know of our livelihoods actually it's getting to the point where you're doing the bit that you love is what you work for yeah. <laughs> it's never yeah, the job I mean, is it awful doesn't it saying that performers are but it's just made me feel the, the caring job has made me feel well I don't know like oh now I really am helping people yeah, I, don't I, know. Get I don't know I, and also I think this whole thing I've had a lot of performer friends talk to me about um they feel a bit inadequate as a performer now like we're so unnecessary and now we've mm. realized how unnecessary we are and that's sad because mm. that's not true you yeah. know everybody needs entertainment everybody mm. needs uplifting everybody needs stories to be told to them everybody wants to see that talent on stage but I do understand how they feel that you know yeah. it does feel like we're, we're pretty unimportant not necessary like yeah. uh, and you know that that is true we're not necessary like to live or or die and you know we're not a business that makes the world turn of course not and I think that's been the struggle for a lot of of people in our industry now that this has been a bit of a slap in the face Mm. to make us feel a bit like well you know what have we been doing all this time we can't even there's a lot of actors in the grey area for the government payment thing and it's like uh, yeah, you're going to come to me and ask me to put on a hundred charity events and sing my heart out to make money to come out of this, but you won't give me any. And mm. So it is really difficult. It's such a difficult time, but I think we just have to remind ourselves that we are important, maybe not to everyone, but to, to a lot of people. So important, in fact, that people, you know, revolve their life around going to the theatre. And I think we just have to remind ourselves that those are the people that we we yeah. deliver to night after night. Without a doubt. I think, you know, we're always going to be neglected from government bodies and such like, because they just don't get it, unfortunately. But I think that yeah. actually, like, through this, I mean, the amount of shows I've binge watched in the last three weeks, I can't even tell you. Like, the amount of free theatre now that I'm watching online and yeah. such like, it's incredible. And I think we need to be entertained. Like, that's what makes, like, you, you can go back to Rome, the Colosseum fights, whatever it was, like... Yeah. People need to be entertained, and I think that we are vital. It just might be that th- that's the thing, it's a source of income, and that's where artists like we yeah. just don't get the support in that way. Um, yeah, but totally. What can we do? Um, so let's go back to your journey because we all want to know a bit more about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so talk me back. So you grew up in Basingstoke, uh, I did, yeah, I yeah. grew up in Basingstoke, um, bit rough and ready kind of town. Um, didn't have a lot of money growing up, um, was into football and swimming, really kind of athletics heavy, mm. um, got really badly bullied at school as well, uh, I think because my dad moved us up to Manchester when I started senior school and then his business that he joined all went wrong, so then mm. we moved back down to Basingstoke, so I was like the new kid twice right. in one year, Yeah. Um, and that just put me on the wrong foot and I mm. got into a bad crowd and yeah. I my grades were like falling through the floor and then something snapped in me and I was like okay I don't want to be part of that crowd anymore obviously you can't do that it's like a mean girl leaving the mean girl group it's just nothing yeah and so it all kind of went a bit tits up and um I, I think year nine I, my percentage of actually being at school was just so low because it was in such a bad area my sat scores were awful it was just a really bad time mm-hmm. um but um it sounds so funky when I say it, but so basically, in a in a real in a more rough area than where I came from, there was like you know MCs you know on the street kind of thing. Yeah. Um, saying it now it makes me laugh, but um, and uh, you know I was kind of known as the, as the girl with the voice. And mm. um, so, on kind of midst the bullying kind of bad year, um, and I'm I'm talking like hiding the bathroom and breaks. Yeah. Yeah, like, rough. Yeah, really beaten up kind of thing, like mm. physically and emotionally really bad. Mm. Um, and when we tried to move me schools, obviously Basingstoke. So, like he says, she says that when we were walking around the new schools to look, they'd already 
got to the people in the school, so they were calling me the names I was already getting oh back my at my God. school. So it was, it was just a rough yeah, ass time. The thing is, I don't feel sorry for myself because lots of people have a lot of baggage that nobody knows about. So, yeah. you know, and it kind of makes you who you are today. So there's no point in dwelling or doting on it because it has it's just part of your journey, right? Mm. And there's people with a heck of a lot worse. So, like, mm. um, yeah, so I was known as, like, this, the singer, the girl with the voice. So the MCs from, like, the proper rough parts of town were coming to me asking me to sing on their, their tracks. Um, and so I was. Mm. Uh, I started singing in their bedrooms, literally, in yeah. makeshift studios. Kind of learned, taught myself about, you know, musicality. It's where my kind of voice comes from, the riffs and the more kind of urban quality to it, I guess. Okay. And um, that kind of saved my butt because when I started getting beaten up really bad, I obviously couldn't go to their houses to sing. Right. Which meant that they were getting annoyed started turning up at my school gate it sounds like a movie right maybe I'll write this (laughs) it does you should and then they stopped me eventually from getting bullied wow that is in a way seeing save save my bacon yeah literally wow that's incredible yeah yeah did you find it an amazing outlet like did, did it kind of make you more passionate about singing like if you you know when you were going did it was it kind of like a creative outlet where you could like let everything out yeah, it was, and I felt safe, oddly, mm. in the roughest part of town, because, yeah, because those, you know, the people that are always frowned upon, hood rats, as they call them, well, I was one, and I hung around with those people that are frowned upon by, by you know, their peers or whatever, and yeah, right, they're a bit rough and ready to go, but they saved my life mm. and protected me, mm. so... And actually, sometimes they just have to live that way because that's the only way they can last in the town that they were brought up in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of, yeah, it, got, it, it just got me ready. And also, it's made me who I am now. Like, yeah. I can deal with this. Be like, yeah, I get down, brought down with the bitchiness and stuff. Mm. But at the same time as it gets to me because of the past experience I'm, I'm also strong enough to deal with it because of the same experience no, completely. So yeah it made you strong and and that's the thing and there's always it sounds really silly but I always say to my mum in a way you find that the best people have got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder or just a little bit of a point to prove that's always my thing I was kind of similar to you and um, so I actually moved so I was brought up abroad but we moved around a lot so I moved around like 10 times I went to like 12 different schools <laughs> So I was always the oh, new wow. kid. Yeah, I was always the new kid. Oh, and um, yeah, my thing was dance. So I used to go to my dance classes, you know what I mean? And just let it out. Um, and and I did, I had a bit of a chip. And I think that actually, that's what pushes you forward. And you think, fuck this, fuck that. Don't care who you are. And and the people who think they're above it all are normally the people who don't have the morals or a bit, say everything yeah. behind your back. Totally you know? agree with you. Totally so, agree with you. You've yeah. been maybe cotton walled a bit, you know. Mm. Right for the whole life exactly. they're normally the people that you know I, I struggle to see eye to eye with because I just haven't had that yeah so yeah completely so what made you yeah. so you were at school and you kind of were doing this you know MC and you kind of you know that you helped get out of the bullying what made you think right singing we're going to do this now what's next so when I got to the end of GCSEs um, and obviously I went to sixth form which was Queen Mary's College in Basingstoke um, I knew I wanted to sing by mm. that point I kind of had stopped with, well, I hadn't stopped, but I picked between, right, am I going to be a singer or an athlete, like, be it football or swimming? Because I was not semi-pro, but, like, under-16s um, for Chelsea, and wow. I swam um, for Hampshire with my sister. So, like, we were, like, hours and hours of... of um, That's incredible. Yeah, of swimming. Mm-hmm. I really thought I wanted, to, I wanted to be in the Olympics as a swimmer. That oh was kind of, God. like... Mm. But I didn't in the end. I went, got to sixth one. I thought, okay, well, I'll take all the performing arts courses uh, to see where that got me. I took Spanish and um, and business. Oh, is it business? No, English inside, which I ended up dropping. Not Spanish because I've got Spanish in my blood and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn it. But apparently, my brain is just crap at learning languages. It doesn't matter how hard I try. <laughs> Danish and Spanish, I just can't get it in me. And they're my heritage, and I just can't. Oh, <laughs> so, no. you know, I, I'm crap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so took performing arts and it was my teachers at QMC that said you have to audition for drama school I was like nah there is no way I mean I did and yes annoyingly for those people who spend their whole life trying and then 
can't I did I got into about eight on my first year yeah um auditioning that may be because I had no inhibitions I didn't know what I was getting myself in for I didn't have all the experience and in the dance I was terrible I just in the acting round I just I didn't have any technique behind me. I just did what was on the page and mm-hmm. did what I thought I was right and was yeah. real. And I sung, and I just sung like me. I didn't sing like a musical theatre singer. Yeah. I sang like a pop singer who had learned how to riff in a bedroom <laughs> in a makeshift but that's, studio. But that's what they want to see. They want, and sometimes it's the fear and and that that takes over. But you didn't, and then that's the thing of acting as well. It's it, the whole point of acting is realness. It's just being different yeah. to you. And I think yeah. we obviously we obviously smashed it, didn't you? <laughs> Well, I mean, in it, bizarre. But then, then um, I chose GSA, mm-hmm. and two weeks before I was meant to start GSA, I had a free camp. Like, this is what I wanted. I actually wanted to be a singer songwriter. Quit. Mm. My Auditioned for ACM. Went to Academy of Contemporary Music for a year, and the day I started ACM, my mum received a phone call. They still run house phones back then, <laughs> and it was GSA saying we will defer Jodie's place for next year, so I could go mm-hmm. next year without re-auditioning. That's um, and so I think if that hadn't happened, I think I might have ended up obviously going down an entirely different path. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, when I think about that happening, it's actually overwhelming, isn't it? Because that really doesn't normally happen. I don't want to come this year, but can I, yeah. <laughs> can I come next year? Um, so I did, yeah, I went to ACM. And I think if I didn't know that I was going to GSA, I probably would have worked a lot harder at ACM. But normal Jody wasn't kind of around for ACM and I think I dosed a bit I probably didn't work as hard the problem was the schedule wasn't like like regit what's the word like regimented like you didn't have yeah yeah. um, schedule there was a lot of free period where you were like to do your own thing and yes that's amazing but I hadn't picked up that work ethic yet in my life Mm. so um I kind of yeah I didn't get to where I could have ACM so luckily I obviously started at GSA and then mm. I was the underdog by far like mm. I knew nothing I remember the first day Neil Bailey who I love who's one of our um like MT teachers acting through song teachers yeah um <laughs> we had a class with him and uh the, the question was name a musical written by Rodgers and Hammerstein and I put my head up and said Jekyll and Hyde because it was the only musical that I really knew because I'd sung in his eyes for all my auditions. Why'd you put <laughs> your hand up? Like, <laughs> are you here? <laughs> See I just wouldn't. <laughs> you know I mean? but and, yeah, yeah I was just like the the underdog the girl that didn't really know anything was a bit of a dopey idiot tried hard had a bit of talent but um, and then I got taken into a meeting two terms in and it was like, you're, you know, we kind of regret giving you this scholarship and taking and giving you a deferred place. Sure. So then I kind of put the best foot forward and changed gear and went to every single extra lesson that I could. I don't remember having any time off, any free period. I just knew then that I wanted to be something. Mm. My passion for theatre grew not because of all the knowledge of theatre and knowing all the shows and knowing all the songs. My passion for it grew because I wanted to stand on stage and break people's hearts or make them laugh mm. or make them feel amazing one minute and then tear their heart out the next and make them leave the theatre having experienced something because of what I did physically on that stage. Mm. And that has been the most single, the single-handed thing that has driven me. Mm. Um, babe, now my face is on the wall at GSA. That's crazy, isn't it? That's I amazing. Top. Um, got the top degree result in my year. The first, the highest first. Yeah. Uh, first person to sign with an agent. Um, Incredible. Had two jobs lined up when I left. And that's not me blowing my own traffic because that is lucky probably most of it, but it was purely because it was sweat, blood and geeky tears of not of being the girl that never went out, who was always at extra dance classes, who broke her back sideways, who, who did the extra things, who wrote more words than everybody mm. else for Shakespeare or just whatever. Like yeah. I just, and you know, the one thing that I got the lowest grade in the year, what? singing. But that, do you know what though? I think that, I think that proves a point there that the fact that you've got to work on everything else because your raw talent is singing. You, you you know you don't need to spend every day for hours working on your singing. You've got an amazing voice, but to I mean, go. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I really should. But the older I get, the more I, the like lower my voice gets. I'm like, no. 
But what you did was so, you, you knew. Yeah, singing. I yeah. got the lowest grade in the final singing exam. And then three years after leaving, played Elphaba. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Isn't it funny? It's, it's funny, but, and, you know, but honestly, like I am a bit crap. I'm just wondering when someone's gonna work. No, that out. and you know, no, and that's that's what every performer has is they have that feeling whenever they start a job, whenever they start anything, that they're not meant to be there. I get it yeah. every every time you step on, even in auditions, anything you think, what what were you thinking? <laughs> Why me? <Sometimes. laughs> but I don't think. I have, I, yeah, I have it a lot in six as well because the girls around me are so talented. I get a little bit overwhelmed, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm I always feel like I'm letting the team down, no. but they're always like, no, Joan, and it's just funny, isn't it? Like, it's, uh, funny. it's just that voice in our head. Yeah. But yeah. So I didn't have the normal kind of started drama young. And yeah. I just have that. I'm a definitely a a little diamond in the rough. No, not I'm a rough in the diamond. <laughs> turn it around. That's me. I'm the rough surrounded by the diamonds that somehow like rub no. its way through the diamonds. Like that's literally how it happened. Like I, I won't even pretend like it wasn't an easy journey at all. It was really no, hard. But- and, but yeah, the journey is why actually. no, the journey is so important, and, and I think it proves a massive point that you were you're a massive talent. You went on there. You're an incredible singer. But what you did was for three years is you worked your butt off to be everything. So you weren't just a girl with an ama- like an amazing voice. You worked your butt off for everything. So you came out a triple yeah, threat. It was it was horrendous. Like I just remember crying most of the time because I was like I'm so tired. But I just wanted more at myself more than yeah anything, but, do you know what I think I, I don't know about you personally but for me I think training was probably worse for me than any audition anything I've been on like I've had my fair few few cries out of auditions but definitely oh, definitely when I trained I because they break you don't they like, like let's be real they break you so they can build you back up and and make you a product um but um yeah it's it's rough it's rough um but so I basically, well, I had a, a weird little route, um, same. Um, so I basically did, so I did my A-levels. I did three A-levels at the same time as doing a new course called Bath Dance College where they brought down London teachers and they did a 30-hour-a-week musical theatre course. So I'd go to... the A-levels? Yeah, so I'd go to school in the morning and then I used to get a little bus and I used to train till 8pm and we did that, I did that for two years um, and I got my A-levels and trained and then I went to Bristol Old Vic and dropped out um and then I decided to get well I I couldn't train anymore like I just felt like I was broken the thing is because I did the two years so early I was 18 I'd done two years got my a-levels felt just like ugh. and I I really you know I and I didn't feel like I was a I even though I could be a triple threat I was just okay like I was never gonna go and get like my singing wasn't strong enough you know so I and I really loved the acting so I really that's why I went to Bristol Old Vic for like three months because I really wanted the acting but I was just done I wanted to get an agent and work so I dropped out well done good girl yeah most people would be scared that was a very brave thing to do yeah yeah and and yeah and then just got an agent and worked my way up it's it's been a it's been a ride (laughs) but um yeah but it's I mean it's crazy but then there's other people you know I've got friends who I train with when I was 16 who are still training and I think I I mean fair play to them because I couldn't take you know they're on their like sixth year um yeah well that that, there you go we both kind of proved that you don't always have to go on the normal journey to, to get there no definitely not but um so came out of an agent exciting and how was it, so how long did it take you when you got your agent and you came out um, to get your first job? Um, well, I had rent, <laughs> I had rent and folly um, before I left, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm such a shit, I know. And it's, it's crazy. And I don't know how. I got me, me, rent and um, young Sally and Follies and then Bear kind of followed off the back of those. Um, I remember I auditioned for Bear as Ivy, whereas I was in Rent and I had to do it, film it on the Rent stage because I couldn't make the auditions. Got that. And then Gary Lloyd, who cast me as Rusty and Footloose for the big, big GSA show, mm. uh, well, you don't even have to do the part of the course, it's like a semi pro kind of thing. Um, he then gave me this massive Tina Turner 
arena tour, which was mind-blowing how I found Zoe Burkett in my life. Um, so, you know, within my first few months of graduating, I was doing arena, I mean, like, <laughs> just meant, like 34,000 people. Oh, it's just crazy. Um, and then Bane, Carmen mm. happened again, Gary Lloyd. This is what I mean. If you do a good job and you work your butt off, mm-hmm. obviously I have so many cons as a human. I get way too excited when I'm on stage and sometimes forget my notes and, and perform in the moment and you can't really do that with musicals. It's very regimented. Um, and that's always been my problem and will always be my problem that people have to like tightly note me because I'm in the moment very organic. Um, a bit of a problem. That's probably because I don't have the background there. Do you know what I mean? To be like, I just, it's just not in me. So I just, I just do what I'm told, but like how I'm feeling. You feel it. <laughs> like, yeah, you just, um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, you, you know, uh, Gary has then worked, I did Heather's twice, obviously, yeah. with Gary at the other palace and, um, and at the Haymarket. Um, yeah, Fame. Then it was the producers of Fame that then wanted me on board for um, Lady Blonde. Mm-hmm. It was the producers of Bear that wanted me to do Miracle on 34th Street between that. Um, uh, then, uh, where are we up to right then? Um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, and then from Jesus Christ Superstar, um, obviously I met Ridian, the opera singer, <laughs> Roberts. So then I ended up doing his tour for like six months as a, as a solo kind of artist, mm. which was another learning curve, a different yeah. world. Did a few, I did a panto in there, and then then I ended up, now where are we now? Did, did, oh, no, I missed that one. Jesus Christ Superstar, after that, I then went into Legally Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Margaret Carter Ellen Brooke, and then, then the Bridgian thing happened, then a panel happened, then I ended up in uh, War of the Worlds at the Dominion, mm. very interesting, difficult, incredible job, mm. weird, but probably one of the best contracts, one of the most fun contracts, best cast I've ever worked with, mm. just incredible, um, I love each and every single one of them so very dearly, yeah. um, then uh, I've missed bits out, but like, <laughs> um, then, uh, oh, Trailer Park, American Trailer Park Musical, happened at Water Louise for like, it was like an eight-week mm. contract, lovely. And that came between um, the, uh, War of the Worlds and Wicked. Amazing, yeah. Wicked happened, came out of Wicked, then that whole all together thing now on the TV happened, that was a tragedy. <laughs> Why was that a tragedy? Um, oh, it's just tragic. They stuck a fringe on my head. I don't have a fringe. Mate, also, I... The first, I, the first no. thing I wanted to sing, but River Deep Mountain High, as much as I love that song, they cut the chorus out of me, I did, and they knew they didn't want me. They wanted to put me first. It was a write-off. Um, I, I think, like, well, you can think what you like, but <laughs> your voice, <laughs> it wasn't, it was genuine, well, you sound incredible, I mean, anyone who watch, you know, if you watch, I mean, you know it's on YouTube, you know, like, when I was Googling everything about you, and I, I showed my partner, I was like, look, <laughs> he was like, wow, she's got a great voice. <laughs> no, but I did some cool things in that time as well. And um, that was when my teaching started. But yeah. it was a struggle after Wicked. Um, couldn't get, really couldn't get a job. That's, that's knows. weird, isn't it? Um, well, it just was what it was. I don't know. Like You have those times. Yeah, you have those times. And you're on such a, uh, you know, one after the other, after the other. There's always going to be a break somewhere, isn't there? Yeah. I did have a few breaks between those jobs that I just reeled off pretending like I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it was this easy. No, it wasn't. I had bar jobs and, yeah. like pub jobs and you know uh was assistant to debbie o'brien's for a bit uh yeah. that casting director that was an amazing job yeah. incredible experience mm. um done it all babe you know i did, yeah, you I did promo, promo between handout leaflets nice. between um what was that between that was between oh miracle on 34th street and jesus christ superstar that was Nice. For a good few months, <laughs> I was handing out gym box leaflets I love at Stratford, um, Stratford Westfield. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it. on my first day, I got told off for going to buy coffee on my shift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not even going to pretend like I no. was I, I was so real. Like, mm. and then suddenly, you know, fast forward, you're playing alcohol, like what? And then, yeah, then I couldn't get a job for ages and I got taken on at Rosie Thompson's Dark School of Dance, which has been a life a lifeline for me and I love working there and I hope to go back there 
between jobs. Very mm. passionate about working there. Um, the students are incredible. Rose is incredible. Danny Akers is one of the best teachers I've ever worked with, and I've learned a lot from her in, mm. in teaching craft. Um, and yeah, did Rachel Tucker's um, big show that she did in London. So that was quite a few rehearsals for me and Amanda Cruz's her like backup girls. Nice. So I was saying Tucker was brought into my life, and that's just you know it's Rachel Tucker, and I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> She's my friend. That. Um, and then, then we'll, and then and then I did another panto. Nice, love a panto. You done another panto. panto. They're the hardest contracts. People who turn their nose up at them. Oh my god! Don't know what you're talking about. They no. are real. Then myth happened. Okay, which was yeah. Awesome. You can watch that on YouTube mm-hmm. for free. Yeah. Um, now, because Sam's put it up, Sam Casty. That was an eye opener and reminded me why the fight was worth it. Mm. Then I was going to do Into the Woods as mm. um, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like what? <laughs> um, then this little thing happened. I sent off a self tape for this girl who wears red and sings this song called Candy Store. And my boyfriend, who did the workshop for it at the other palace, said you don't realise the energy behind this in the fandom. And I was like, sure, sure. I didn't know. Mm. So I sent off this self-tape and thought, wouldn't it be lovely? But it probably won't happen. Mm. Yes, heavens. And, <laughs> and I had to pull out of Into the Woods, which I was doing three of rehearsal. felt horrendous because oh, my wow. friend Tim McCarthy was directing. Sure. But he said, Look, if you think it's worthwhile, do it. Oh, it was. <laughs> Yeah, it really was. Yeah. That just changed my life. Like yeah, yeah. It, it kind of, um, it, it did change my life. There's, I, I, I struggled to put into words what that contract means to me. It was quite overwhelming for me. I still to say I'm so grateful for it and to originate that character over here. Obviously, would never say that I originated the role because Jessica, um, Keenan Winded, who I got to meet, another amazing moment of my life. And How- she was like. She isn't shouting, like, it's just so hard on your voice. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love you. <laughs> how was that um, um, building the show for the West End? How was that? Because that's quite, you know, like, to go... Mad. Yeah. Because yeah. you mean, like, the transfer? Yeah. Yeah, like, I always had wished to be part of a small show that blew up big and, yeah. and went and transferred, and it came true, and it couldn't have come true in a more cooler contract. Yeah, I learned a lot from Carrie Hope Fletcher on that show. She taught me a lot about work ethic and juggling your time and mm. having your fingers in paint, bo- paint pots. And um, I, I just learned so much from her and how to just keep going, keep driving forward. Mm. I learned a lot from Becky and Sophie and Tasha. Like, just everyone obviously drew Lauren Drew, who's now like my sister, like Jamie Muscato, like my brother, the boys, Nick, uh, Nick, Dom, and Dom, and um. Oh, I'm definitely going to have a FaceTime with Chris today. I'll have to do it. And I'm with Chris, um, who I miss dearly. Like, yeah, and we created a family and we got to work with Andy Fitman and uh, Kevin and Larry and just Gary Lloyd, who's mm. obviously now feel more like family to me. And um, it, it just to, to know, to find out that we were transferring was just, oh man, like, it was just incredible. And then suddenly we were working in all these changes and it was knackering, but it was so mm. exciting. It was a weird time for me because I was obviously meant to be doing Rock of Ages as Sherry. Yeah. And then that whole thing happened and some hoo-ha happened. I won't mm. go into it. Yeah. Um, but we managed to work out a deal, um, which meant that I could do the transfer and then go and do um, Sherry. Yeah. So that was an incredible feeling to know that I was in work for like, yeah that's amazing um but yeah heather's that day that that we opened at the other palace i was like okay oh i was not ready then the day that we opened at the haymarket because i knew what it meant to everyone then oh it was just like mad yeah i wasn't ready to say bye to that yeah yeah completely i i was okay because i was focusing so much that i had one day to rehearse sherry and then i started my christ so I, i kind of um I did a lot of work in the dressing room at Heather's. Like, I went very prepared. I knew what I was doing yeah. when I got there. For whatever reason, I'll never forget that first show. I just wasn't nervous. I was like, I can only do what I can do. I've only had one day. Like, It's probably because you just came off the back of something you were so passionate about as well. Do you know what I mean? It kind of spurs you, doesn't it? And you're just like, well, yeah. you know. And Sherry was a dream come true. Yeah. Again, 
nicest class, one of the easiest jobs. As it, not easy, the part is ridiculously hard. One of the easiest jobs to to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, um, completely. The cast, I do, I do it again like that. Honestly, yeah. I really would. Um, and then during that, obviously, found out I had six, which was mental. Um, yeah. Uh, and then then that world happened. And then you know, between then, I've had some cool workshops like Zelda and Gatsby and other things that I've done. And yeah, honestly, I am so lucky. It's a joke. Mm. I am honestly, I said it before. But I am waiting for the day for someone to be like, "You're actually not that good. Why do you? Because <laughs> I look around me, and I'm like, oh, these people are incredible. And I know I have to keep working, and I will always keep working and learning. And I'm never gonna say, I'm never gonna say that I. I think I'm the most talented in the room because I never will be. There is always going to be so many more people that I have to learn from and mm-hmm. I will live by that for the rest of my life. I will never be where I want to be because there's just no way. Yeah. There's no way. I didn't have enough to begin with to be there. There's just no way. But that's... <laughs> I just wonder. I honestly think people just want me around because I make them laugh. I, I, just, <laughs> like, I can't think of it. <laughs> but that's what, that's what makes you work hard and keep getting the jobs is the fact that there's no you know there's no oh I've reached this point that's it you know for a lot of people after Heathers it's kind of like well I've made it so see you later but you you know oh, if you yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean but then yeah. if you've not got that bar you just keep working you keep working and I think I just think that's amazing but I think did you find with Heathers you know I found this that at the time you kind of you just process and everything so you're meeting these amazing people people you look up to etc and it's actually after the fact that you process it all like, I don't know about you, but that's what I found. Yeah, so, like, um, you know, I did a show that I loved last year, and at the time I was trying to be really cool, and I was like, this is cool, I watched you on TV for, like, my whole childhood, and now I look back and go, that's fucking crazy, and I, like, I'll say about it now, I'm like, you never guess what I did. You're going to have to tell me what show and what person now. Oh, so, <laughs> so I did a show called Sanderton on ITV last year, and um, we filmed for like six months and literally the main person in it was Theo James and I loved the like Divergent films. And then it was also, um, oh my God, if I forget his name, he's going to kill me. Um, Chris Marshall. Oh, what the fuck happened to my oh, brain? My God, yeah. Of course, watched Death in Paradise, watched my family for my whole life. And literally I just walked into like the read through and I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> And then obviously so many... It's so cool that you did that. It's cool, isn't it? But like, it's funny because at the time, like my mum was like, that's cool. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's my my job, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, and now I'm like, mate, (laughs) look who I worked with. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's processing it. You deserve it. it. You deserve it. Thanks. You do as well. But it's just, it's, you know, you, you have to, it's hard to process, isn't it? You have to give yourself time and stuff. But, um... Amazing. So, Six. So, I watched yes. you in Six. Um, I watched you when you came to Bath. Um, cause my, oh, amazing. Yeah, um, I loved it. Absolutely adored the show. I thought it was amazing. Um, and just so different. I mean, I'm not somebody, so like, if it's a new show or a show that I don't really know, I don't research and listen to the songs before. I don't know why, but I like to just, like, take it. Do you know what I mean? And then I'll go get mental about it afterwards um and of course it was nothing like I expected I walked in there I sat down and I was like ah and you just suck <laughs> everyone in which is amazing isn't it it's so it's completely different from other shows isn't it because other shows although you've got the audience and and they're taking everything in and they're going on a emotional roller coaster it's very much you're performing to them do you know what I mean you're telling them a story Whereas with Six, I know there is the whole storytelling element, but you're really bringing them in. You're making them very aware that you can see them, they can see you. And, yeah. you know, how is that? That must have been a challenge, like something very different. Yeah. Well, because, you know, there are obviously shows where you break the fourth wall, but, like, the whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, time. Yeah. It's just a very different, it's a different kettle of fish, I think. Um, it feels more like a concert. Obviously, the handheld mic is yeah. the big I've had an experience with handhelds, of course I have, but more like in gigs. Like, yeah. so it's, it's, it's been a whole world of experience. And I remember the first show when we did the opening speech, you know, the opening scene, we were like, hello. And I just was like, oh my God, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is so weird. Like, and so what's difficult about the show is, um, and, and what's bad on performers is you should never. One thing that I, I you, you always get taught, and you you will know, is I'm just saying it for everyone who's listening. Yeah. You know, um, to never get affected by the audience, to always do the same show. Mm. But of course, with six, well, if you if you're expecting. 
getting people to like cheer on cue <laughs> and they don't you're like <laughs> wow like, yeah. it's just so awkward um but what we've learned is that and I'm what I have always kind of known from touring different areas of the country react to different things and react in different ways mm. and some are more reserved than others and, and you really do have to remind yourself okay they're just they don't whoop down here like fine yeah and then at the end of the show they're like oh my god that was amazing it's like really we thought you hated it like, yeah. <laughs> um so it was it was it was a massive change a massive learning curve um and I'm sure like going back hopefully one day touch wood if someone will have me going back to a, a what's a normal musical but a more like you know conventional two, hours, two and a half hour yeah. like you know not so based of speaking to the audience musical I'm going to be like <laughs> oh at this point I don't look at you <laughs> I look at the actor yeah so um yeah it's been it's incredible and yeah again Heather's a huge responsibility with the part you're playing because so many people were the yeah. whole world is six you yeah. know it's very similar similar kind of um fan experience to Heather's yes yeah. and you, you do find a huge responsibility to kind of and it does get hard you know because obviously like I love receiving messages and stuff and um all that but sometimes it gets really hard it's like mm. you, sometimes you get rude messages if you haven't responded quick enough and mm. um that's obviously a whole other ball game and part of the industry now because it's so heavily social media related but yeah sometimes I think they that we we're just normal too yeah um, exactly yeah yeah, completely. Yeah. But the, the chemistry... I get it. I get the responsibility. So yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. But the chemistry between you guys as well is amazing, like, on stage. And that's so, so important as well for the story. Um, so Catherine yeah. Howard, also, like, the role that you're playing is... Well, you, you need to bring the sobs in, don't you, really? Like, you're... It's so emotional. Like, so... so I, I, I genuinely found your solo, um, you know so emotional and I think it's a perception of Catherine Howard that's not actually conventional like everyone in my opinion sees yeah you know it you really tell well, it when you first come and you see the posters and you hear her song you're like yeah right Catherine Howard okay, yeah. Pop, yeah, yeah yeah that's really cheeky really flirty and then suddenly yeah and I think that's so cleverly set up her character is so cleverly set up so she has the clever. biggest shock factor in the whole oh my god it, yeah it ripped me show. And, um, no, it, it really got me, like, in the minute it turned, I mean, me and, and B, who I watched it with, were crying. Like, I genuinely found oh, it so emotional. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's what we want. <laughs> um, but no, but what, what a, you know, what a great responsibility. Um, but you... Oh, massively so. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a bit of a gift, actually, because, obviously, as I said way before, like, my, my passion and driving force is, is telling stories and creating something in an audience mm. and obviously it's more like a concert really yeah and um, that that overriding kind of switch in that song is the thing that I just think my god I'm so lucky to to be able to tell this story and and that is a huge responsibility because women who are going through abusive relationships do approach me after the show and it's and they mm. say that they've had some sort of release or something and that is the best thing yeah. like, oh my gosh sorry let me word that right them going through that is awful yeah but the fact that they've managed to um find a release or connect in a way with me is is incredible feeling and yeah, an honor yeah I, guess, I could say no yeah. completely and it's something that you don't really you know when you're training you don't ever think of those moments do you know what I mean you're thinking about the performance you're thinking about an audience clapping you never think about those moments where you're telling something that will just hit somebody in the spot do you know what I mean like will hit somebody or will really get to somebody and what they're personally going through it's just something you, oh, yeah. you can never teach you know um absolutely yeah no absolutely amazing so how I mean how do you find the industry so like you know industry you know we love performing we've talked through the characters we've talked to performance the industry itself what do we think do we like it is it good I I love it and it's a love-hate relationship yeah (laughs) she met me oh I met Liam with the guy making our dinner right now well there you go um it's amazing. The people, the, it's the people that yeah. make it amazing. Yeah. And um, it's the people that make the job. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but David Hunter recently did a cameo, right? And got asked to write a song about, obviously, waitress closing, which is just awful. For oh, like, my God. He yeah. wrote it. He wrote this song. It's on the internet now. Look for it. Yeah. He's on his Twitter. He's on his Twitter. And he, he says, you know, in the song, he says, it's the people. 
that you yeah. miss because your contracts, the ones that you remember, yes, you remember the past, but you really do remember the people mm. more than anything. Yeah. Um, it's, and I think it, yeah. performers have, <laughs> even though I went for us all at the beginning and myself, you know, um, saying it is quite a, a selfish job. And it is in a way, it is. Mm. Uh, we're not doctors, we're not nurses, we're not, you know, and you can say that about businessmen, high fly businessmen, you want to make money, right? Yeah. So, there's, you know, um, but the one thing I do say about performers is uh, genuinely performers have huge hearts. Yeah. Huge hearts. And um, I think you notice that when you're not around them. Yeah. How touchy, how huggy, how talk to me. What do you What do you need? Let me give you my heart on the on my sleeve. Like, mm. and so I think we're so lucky that we are surrounded by that, and we don't realise what our lives would be like without that because we have it all the time with these giving, very open loving, caring people, yeah. um, very free-spirited people, accepting people. Yeah. Um, and it's and sometimes we forget how it's not like that yeah. in other places. Yeah, um, so I love the industry for that more than anything. Yeah. It, it waves the flag for LGBT, for um, no sexism, uh, no racism. Mm. You know, everyone's equal. And I that's what I love yeah. so much about the industry. Um, in terms of the business part of it, oh, God, it's hard, isn't it? Like, it's so hard. <laughs> um, but I think you just kind of... What I always try to think when, when little ones... Little ones. <laughs> when people coming up, ask me, how do you deal with criticism? And they just Yeah. <laughs> rejection, criticism. I'm like, well, the reason when someone gets a job is so great is because the lows are so low mm. and so the difference on the scale is so fast. Yeah. That we've like... Now, I can't say this without seeming like a prat, but like in another job you may have like pretty standard days with a few ups and a few lows but with with performing arts getting the contract is like so up here the, the reason it's so up here is because the lows are so down here yeah so I feel like in a way it kind of has to be that way yeah you have to have those lows yeah um so yeah I, I think I'm learning to not be scared of being out of work mm. that's that's a big thing that I think graduates struggle with as well yeah you know some graduates zoom into incredible contracts and then suddenly when they're not in one you know people turn their nose oh god they're moaning about well of course they don't know they've not had that situation yet so how how do they know how to deal with that that is a slap in the face for them that is a a sudden eye opener so bless them like they don't know how that feels and so I think sometimes it's great when people leave drums will kind of work their way up the ladder Mm. or you know come off the ladder for a bit and then climb your way back up because then you appreciate those those job offers so much more definitely every time I get a job offer I'm like really yeah yeah like like, I cry every time I'm just like oh my god like uh, thank you thank you and I just feel so grateful and so yeah, you know, when you're out of work and you, and you struggle and you're auditioning and you're getting loads of no's, it's horrendous, of course it is. But I think the one thing that I've learned getting older is that I have to have that as my as my job and my mm. life has to be my life. Yeah, it's, it's different. I have to yeah. separate the two and, and when the job's not happening, I have to focus on things in the life. Yeah. I can... Financial thing is obviously the biggest thing, but yeah. there is no way to fix it. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. And I think sometimes it's not us that... I think sometimes we actually can give ourselves the break. We can go, no, do you know what? I'm out of it now. It is what it is. It's yeah. other people that aren't in the industry that don't get it. It's your family. It's depending on if your partner's in it or not. Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's Entirely. People in the industry do not understand. And sometimes performers can get really wound up talking to like, their parents oh, or, yeah. or their partner who maybe isn't involved. Yeah. And it is hard. But then I can see it from, to be devil's advocate, I can see their point of view. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't even know anything. Yeah. Of course they don't realise. But I, I can understand why they You can understand they both. That. Yeah, so, without yeah, a doubt. Without life, a doubt. It's funny. Funny old bubble that we live in. Funny old bubble. <laughs> <laughs> dramatically popped recently by Boris Johnson. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It, it's a world, isn't it? <laughs> but, um... Oh, yeah. 
So, uh, well, I mean, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm sorry, I talk so much. No, so much. no, you don't. I talk too much. Like, I, I'm the worst. Like, I will keep this going for two hours, but you need some dinner. Um, <laughs> Have you had any dinner yet? Have no, I, I haven't. No, well? I haven't. Yeah, I've got my partner cracking on in the, <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> That's how we like uh, it. <laughs> and even you get his hair mask out as well, you know. I just want like a crisp. It'll, it'll be no, it'll be amazing once you wash it. It'll be so look at you know, you'll, it'll be like luscious. Okay. <laughs> it'll probably be greasy from like having the hair mask in so like fine. <laughs> my hair's so dry actually because it's like ringlet kind of afro. It's it's weird my hair. Kind of got a mix of that whole Spanish-Danish mix. It's really weird. So. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I um, I speak, so my first language is Portuguese, and I also speak oh. fluent Spanish. So, you know, hit me up. <laughs> I bow down. Your first language is Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so jealous and in admiration of you right now, all at the same time. <laughs> Oh I, my gosh! Yeah, I moved there. Like my parents are just bit a bit wild, and we decided to move there when I was free. And it was just my first language. Like I learned to read and write in Portuguese. Like I came back. We came back to England when I had to do my SATs, and I just fucked them because like I couldn't read and write in English. <laughs> but your your accent now, I mean, you wouldn't know. No, it's very English. <laughs> but also, the minute I speak Portuguese, I just sound like a weird little English kid with a Portuguese accent. <laughs> Some Portuguese. Um, Olá, minha nome é eu falo português. Oh, I just love it so much. <laughs> yeah, it... You have literally lit the fire <laughs> after I finish my six quiz, which is happening on Monday evening. <laughs> and get back on my Duolingo. <laughs> on your Duolingo. I love it. <laughs> oh, oh. Dude, that's amazing. Oh, I'm honestly in awe of you. In all. No. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening, guys. I really, really appreciate it. And just want to do a quick shout out to George Perry, who edits my podcast, to Soul Cartographer, i.e. Dan Williams, for writing and creating the theme tune for my podcast, and also to my production company, Raspberry Films, for producing my podcast. Thanks, guys. <laughs>